Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by listening in, and we're grateful for you. Um, Before we begin, I just want to encourage you to not let this podcast replace the local church in your life. God has designed it so that we are to join a local church and serve that body of believers and be shepherded by the pastor of that church. And that's something no podcast can give you. And so if you're not involved in a local church, let me encourage you to find one as soon as possible. Enjoy our podcast. Good evening. Well, it feels like it always did. Feels like it always did. Dorothy told me. To watch my time. And so I worked all week long. And uh, and I'm not sure what the time is going to be like. But I did find this that I promise won't happen tonight. It's a story about uh, uh, a church that had a guest speaker, and it says our church had a guest speaker this past month. He was a young man in his late 20s, full of fire for the Lord. Well, I'm not in my late 20s, that's for sure. When the service turned over to him, he took off preaching and preaching. He went on and on for over an hour or more. And then he said to the people, I'm just getting started, y'all. Well, I knew I had to part ways because I needed to go, and the restroom was calling me in a powerful way. But when I reached the restrooms, they were out of order, so I jumped into my truck, and I drove down the street to the gas station. Upon returning, the young man was still going at it. Finally, about 30 minutes later or so, he brought it to a close. When we were leaving the church, he was right there shaking hands with everybody and asking them how they liked him. And when it came my turn, he said, there you are. You got up and left right in the middle of my message. Why? Why not wanting and not wanting to tell him the real reason? I said, I went to get a haircut. (laughs) He leaned back and he said, a haircut? Jesus, man. He cried out, and he says, why didn't you get one before you came in here? And I told him I didn't need one when I came in here. (laughs) I promise I won't be like that tonight, okay? (laughs) I probably need a haircut, but I won't be here that long. Uh, If you'll open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to read that scripture and then look at some points uh, in the 12th chapter, beginning in verse 9. And Paul was given a picture of how the church should look. He was given a picture of how you and I are supposed to look. And he said this, he said, beginning in verse 9, Love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. 
cling to what is good. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. And share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Paul's giving us a picture of how the church is supposed to look. He's given us a, a picture of how the church is supposed to be known for. That when there's a need, we stand up and we come forward. When there's uh, those that need praying for, we pray for them. When there are those that are lost, we're on our way to see them, to witness to them, and to share the good news that brought us all back here tonight. Amen? And it's the same good news that never gets old. And so Jesus said the most defining characteristic of his church should be its love. And do you know what convinces the world of the truth of the gospel? It's not simply our defense of the faith. We could go over that over and over again. It's our love for each other that makes all the difference. Francis Schaeffer said this, Love on display in the church is Jesus' final word to the world. He said the love that we have in the church for God, for the Lord Jesus Christ, and for one another, for all of us together. The love that we have throws a picture out for the world to see that love is not just when it's convenient. Love is when there's sorrow. Love is when there's heartache. Love is there when, when there's a need that the other individual can't meet themselves and the church steps up and the church walks beside them and the church loves them and they, they feel something they've never felt before. They feel the love of God that goes from the church to them. And they get a picture of why we meet together on Sundays and Wednesdays and why we uh, send cards around to those that are in need. They see that picture. So what convinces the world of the truth of the gospel is not simply a defense of the faith. It's our love for each other. There's, I know Dorothy told me, Keep it short, okay? So I got six points I want to make tonight. Don't jump up and run. I'll get them all in. They come from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. Love must 
be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. And share with the saints in their need. And then pursue hospitality. First of all, I want you to understand that our love should be without hypocrisy. That's what it says there in verse 9. And one of the worst southern phrases, I guess, that we've developed over the years is, bless his heart. That means what I just said is really mean. But I'm going to make it okay by seasoning it with some southern politeness. For example, that woman is a snake, bless her heart. Paul says our love should be different than that. It should be 180 degrees on the other side. It shouldn't be just seasoned. It should be a love all the way down from the words to what we wish for others in our hearts. That they would see the real us. They would know the real us. And that's an easy thing to say. But sometimes people are difficult to love, isn't it? aren't they? And that's why in Romans 12, 1, it kicks in, Therefore, brothers, sisters, in view of the mercies of God, the gospel enables you and me to love one another despite that other person's flaws because they put us in touch with the tenderness that God has for us. If we see them fail, we've been there. We've done that. It might not be the same identical thing, but they fail. We fail many times ourselves. Amen? And if we keep that in mind, when we look at other people and we deal with other people, they can see the reality of what God means to each and every one of us what he cares for us. The gospel in, enables us to, to love somebody in spite of their flaws. And then our love should be grounded in the truth. Verse 9 there in Romans chapter 12 says, Love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil and cling to what is good. Have you ever seen parents who didn't Discipline their children, even when it was necessary. They just seemed to let it go and pass it on by. They just couldn't bear to see the tears or the anger coming out of their child whenever they got punished. And even if the punishment was something to correct them into a good way of living, a good way of acting, a good way of being, Parents or grandparents, we got a bunch of them in here tonight. 
at some point aren't loving their children too much, but we're loving our children and our grandchildren too little. They love being liked. I love being liked. You love being liked by your children and your grandchildren. We like being liked by them more than we like being loved by them. The same thing applies to our relationship in the church. We have to love each other enough to tell the truth, even when it's uncomfortable, when it's not uh, maybe acceptable. Because love that is not based on the truth is ultimately not love at all. You're just letting, letting it go by, pass by. Third point I want to make is our love should feel like family. Verse 10 there says, Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. The love at work within the body of Christ should resemble the love at work in our families. For instance, if somebody says something wrong about your children or grandchildren, what do you do? Sit there and be quiet? You take up for them, don't you? And they may have done something wrong, and you may have known about it. But you still take up for them. So, you know, they're 8, 9, 10 years old. They're 16. They're 21. They make mistakes just like you and I make mistakes. And when they make mistakes, they need forgiving. That's what family does for one another. If your parents, I look around here, maybe I ought to reword it this a different way. Uh, most of our parents are gone. Keith's got his here. Most of our parents are gone. But if your parents need something, you'll do everything you can to make sure they get it to make sure, sure it's provided for them. And that's the way the church is supposed to be. It's to be a family. Now we look around and we don't overlook needs. We don't just slough them off to the side, but we do something about them. We make sure that that person is cared for. If we see or hear of someone this lonely, we make a point to visit. To go, if we don't do anything else, but just hold their hand. And let them be assured that they are loved. That they are important. And you know, making a trip out to see somebody. It makes the biggest impression upon the elderly you could ever see. Because you took time out of whatever else you was doing, and you made a visit. Your relationship in the church needs to be just like that. 
And then our love should recognize the inherent worth God has placed in every person. You see, the Bible teaches us to think differently about people, to recognize and acknowledge the value someone has because he or she is made in the image of God. And the Bible tells us that that's what we are, made in the image of God. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest and the most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. We need to go out our way to lift others up. Paul said, outdo one another in showing honor. And our love should brim with inherent optimism in God's promises. That song we sing, Standing on the Promises, we all love it. You don't even need a hymn book to sing it. You know the words because those words remind us of the promises that Jesus made to us even as he hung on the cross dying for my sins and your sins and for the sins of the world paying the only price that was acceptable to God and he was willing to do it. You are never working in a circumstance that's too difficult to talk to someone who might be getting to the place where they'll be too far gone because our God brings life back from the dead. We can rejoice in the hope of God's promises knowing he is relentless in his commitment to his children. When someone you know is troubled, you can help them bear it. If you don't do anything but just sit down beside them and hold their hand. Or put your arm around them, hug their neck. Simply by letting them know, I see what you're going through. No matter what I've been doing, the only place I want to be is right beside you to help you through this. That's how we cling to the promises of God because he's made us that same kind of promise. What did he say? I'll be back. And that's a promise we still hang on. That's what leads us to this church. That's what causes us to dig into the word of God and, and read it and study it. And our love for others should express itself in tangible action. Romans 12, 13, the order of command is important. It says there, share with the saints in their needs, pursue hospitality. 
taking care of each other in the church comes first because we're family. We should be committed to each other in such a way that we bear each other's burdens. But it should never end there. Our love and commitment to each other should then spill out into the streets. Down Cromer Road. Down J.R. Wynn Road. Down Red Oak Road. And just spread right out. It ought to go around and we ought to make a difference. And we can make a difference in other people's lives if we show them the love that we experience here. This church is filled with love, amen? It's filled with love. There's forgiveness. There's joy. There's excitement in seeing others accomplish whatever it might be. It's, it's not that we look forward to being able to put somebody down, but we look forward to being able to lift somebody up. The early church is the best example of how to love in that kind of way. They didn't multiply because they had great musicians. They didn't multiply because they had snappy teachings. They didn't multiply because they had an impressive building. They multiplied because of how they loved. And that's what made the difference. A church, first of all, is marked by love without hypocrisy. Secondly, it's grounded in God's truth. It doesn't run from the Bible. It believes what the Bible says. It lives by what the Bible says. It trusts what the Bible says. It is the inherent word of God. Amen? Amen? just want to make sure you're awake. Paul connects all these shoulds to being renewed and saturated in the gospel. Therefore, in light of these mercies of God, he says you can be transformed into these kinds of people. It's only through faith in what God has done that we're empowered in what we do. The fire to do in the Christian life comes from being soaked in the fuel of what has already been done and passed down to us. 1 John 4, 9 says it better than I could put it any way I could figure out or could find. It says, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And the only way to love like that is for you and me to see ourselves as the recipient of that great love. Baptistry back here. There's no telling how many people, from children to adults, we've seen over the years go through these baptismal waters. 
And you know what's so great? It's to be able to look around or pass someone. And it comes back to you and says, I remember when they was baptized. The other day I was thinking about baptizing for some reason. And uh, when Cason was baptized, my Cason, there were several young children that came out of vacation Bible school that at the end of the service on that last night, I gave an invitation. They come up here and stood with me. They professed their faith in Jesus Christ. They wanted to be saved. And all that week, I'd been sharing with them in the class that I was teaching what salvation was and how to get saved. I never thought there'd been that many young'uns up here. Cason was one of them. I started filling the baptistry up, getting ready for that baptismal service. And did like I have done all through the years. I come up on Saturday. I fill it with water. I turn the heater on. That heater is supposed to cut off. It's got a little screw knob on it where you can set it where you want it. I thought I had it set where it needed to be. But when I came back later that afternoon to cut the cut the uh, the water off and 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 the heater off, I touched the water. It almost scalded my hand. And I said, "Oh my goodness!" And so what I did is I cut the heater off instead of leaving on because it's both cycle. Came back early the next morning in case I needed to cut the heater up again. But the water was just perfect. What I'm saying is that sometimes the heat of life causes us to do some crazy things. To make some bad decisions. To go into wrong directions when what we ought to do is we ought to be warm with the gospel enough that it's always ready for anybody else so you don't have to jump up and down and stomp and scream and holler all you got to do to show the love of God, the love of God that's changed you, is to share with others around you what your experience was. And it was that of surrender. It was that of giving over and trusting Jesus in your life. No moaning and groaning, but more love.
on top of love is what we need to share with those around us. And every time you share love, it gives you the opportunity to share the gospel. Don't ever forget it. Father, I pray for your love on each and every one of us. I pray that even as we get ready to leave tonight, that you would be with us through this week. You'd give us the opportunities that uh, we're open to and that we would be responsible for showing the love that you had for us to someone else. Bless us now, Father, and be with us. And all God's people said,